not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of your favourite pop culture, movies and TV shows. I'm Sam and with me, as always, is one of the co-hosts from one of the podcasts, Chris. Oh, hi, I'm Chris. If you didn't know what Sam's talking about, big news that we hinted at last week. We have launched our second podcast on the Get Real Podcast Network. Yeah. Officially, we have a well. I mean, we're we're officially kind of a network, I guess. We're not officially a network, but we have more than one podcast now. So yeah, our friends Richard and Lawrence, uh, who are long, long friends of ours, decided to join in with our whole podcast venture and start the Get Real Gaming podcast, didn't they? Yeah. So you've heard us mention it on the podcast many a times like shall we do a get real gaming podcast every now and again dropping some gaming news because that's what we love and then like they kind of pitched towards the idea of they wanted to start a gaming podcast and we were like well we want to start a gaming podcast so then the stars aligned and here we are with get real gaming and um, go check them out they've just launched the first episode and there'll be one coming out in two days time on wednesday Mm-hmm. Uh, new episodes every Wednesday morning, so check them out there. Um, we'll be appearing on it sporadically every now and again, probably, and then they'll be featuring on here soon. Hopefully, we can get them on in the next couple of weeks to sort of introduce them to you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so I'm so happy for the boys. Um, I believe this is like not the first podcast venture we've ever been on with them. I mean, many, 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 many moons ago, we did something. And I think we only launched one episode. But that first episode they've done, Chris, is actually pretty good. Like, I've listened yeah. to it today, like, a bit more f- all the way through. And, yeah, it's it's awesome. They've really, really killed it. And, yeah, yeah a little bit of everything covered off. They're both really, really, um, I was about to say sociable boys. But, you know, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be to be on a podcast. But yeah, no, just really entertaining. Uh, I yeah, think episode what- one smashed it. They, they talked about the, the console wars, the console showdowns, because obviously the new console is about to launch. We've talked about that on here. And it is, it's it's really insightful what they're talking about. And it, it was nice to hear some outside opinions as well. I listened to it before it went live. And I, like once it gets into like the meat of that episode, I'm like, yes, boys, yeah. talk to me. We may even go as far as hosting one of the episodes maybe next month sometime and just host it on our um on our feed so if you see that give it a listen head over to getrealgaming.buzzsprout.com uh link will be in our description uh just make sure you go check it out and give them a little bit of support but anyway yeah this- and check oh. us out on our socials as well because they're using our socials at the same time so it's the best place to keep up to date with both podcasts so that's instagram facebook twitter everything like that. Stay up to date on there for both uh, podcasts. You can get all your bloody gaming and your film and TV news all in one place and know when we're having to, you know, when we're releasing episodes and stuff. You're not having to go across, you know, oh, you got to follow us on four different social accounts and anything. We thought, yeah, we'll just keep it all in one place, which uh, is definitely, I think it's definitely been the right move. It's like buy one, get one free on Instagram, isn't it? My God. God, it is buy one, get one free, really, isn't it? Look at that. Buy one one podcast for free and you get a second one also for free. Yeah, and that's it. So the way it works is that they're releasing episodes every Wednesday, I believe, which means that you get double the amount of Get Real in a week. And my dogs are really excited about that as well. 
<laughs> shout it. Shout it, Pooch. Shout it. <laughs> give it. Give it a sec. <laughs> well, then we'll carry on. <laughs> right, so we are a bloody uh, film and TV podcast, Chris. So we better start talking we about film and TV. We are a TV. bloody film and TV bloody, uh, bloody, bloody, bloody podcast. But before that, before that, what have you watched this week? <laughs> I thought you were about to say, before we get into film and TV, here's something else again. <laughs> <laughs> right, I actually wrote a list because I watched quite a bit this week and I didn't want to forget it because it was good stuff. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. So, started off the week, um, I watched Annihilation. Finally got round to watching Annihilation. Oh, okay. Interesting. Wow. That film is such a cool film. But I'll be honest, I didn't fully understand it when it got to the end. <laughs> like, I definitely need a rewatch to fully understand. Like, it's one of those, like, sci-fi-esque films where clearly they're trying to explore something about humanity at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, like, I did get lots of different bits about it and stuff. Um, but I don't feel like I got the whole thing. And um, it's Alex Garland that did this, who wrote Twenty Eight Days Later, and he wrote and directed um, Ex Machina. So it just oh, okay. made me want to watch Ex Machina again. It's got Oscar Isaac in as well. Uh, Natalie Portman in this is fantastic. Uh, she really does carry the film. Mm-hmm. But it just got to like a bit at the end, and then you're like, "Oh, wait, what? Oh, what? Who?" <laughs> and then you're like, "I like." A lot of it is played out in like silence. It's just like just characters interacting and stuff like that. And you're like, I feel like I am missing something because it did get very complicated in like the last quarter of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally I'm all right with stuff like that, but this was trippy, man. It's fucking mad trippy. It's crazy <laughs> to think this was like a straight to streaming film when it got released as well. Like, well, way it, ahead of it its was time. in the UK. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, it did go it into got, cinemas. It, yeah. Yeah, it got like a wide cinema release in like America and stuff like that. It got a limited cinema release in the UK because mm-hmm. uh, I remember I was going to get tickets to go see it, but then I ended up being busy, so I couldn't go see it. Uh, I kind of, gl- I don't know, I would have liked to have seen it on the big screen because it visually was amazing, like the shimmer and all that sort of stuff looked so cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it was nice. I was just able to sort of like absorb it a little bit in my own bubble and like talk things out with Charlotte and like try and figure out things. <laughs> Do you reckon um, this is something that I would enjoy being someone who doesn't oh, like definitely. Tense, doesn't like definitely. tense movies? Um, it wasn't that tense, really. You know, there was like, like there was like two bits of like intense gore, but like it wasn't much of a tense movie. Okay, um, there was like one bit of like tension. That was it. Which is just like signposted, so it's not like it's got like a slow build up. Because I know that that's what you're not the biggest fan of is like Definitely the suspense not. leading up to it. Nope. Um, so yeah, it was fine. Um, I, I don't know why some people are classing it as maybe like horror esque film. I don't think it's got any of them things. It's like it's just trippy sci fi. You know. Oh, what I mean? Okay, that sounds good. Because um, that's what always put me off watching Annihilation is because as you know, I don't like scary films very much. And it's coming yeah. to that time of the year where I try to just stay away from watching things that people recommend to me because they're all far <laughs> too scary. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. it's such a good film. You you'll really enjoy it. Okay. Um, I think that most people who listen to this podcast will enjoy it. Uh, I'm I'm also wondering because I don't I haven't read the books or anything. It's based off a trilogy of books. I don't know if this is all three mixed into one or this is just the first one. The way they ended. It still had some loose ends that I feel could have been picked up in like a following novel. Like this, it did only feel like one novel, but wasn't entirely sure if they just like truncated loads of bits of it. Mm. Um, 
So maybe Alex Garland might return to this franchise or something. It'll be interesting to see. I think it did pretty well through, obviously, Netflix funding and being released and stuff like that. It did get a really good reception. Whether it made enough money to warrant a sequel, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Anyway, next one. I finished The Horns in a Bly Manor. Uh, I think we talked about it quickly the other day. Yeah. I thought it was a really good series. Um, it was slow. It like it start, excuse me, started off with quite a quick pace, and then it slowed down quite a bit, and then ramped up really quickly at the end. Um, I don't think it was. I think it was a really good series, but I think it, it had a few issues for me. Um, just with like pacing and like certain things being like really highlighted, and then sort of like they get dropped off, and then other plot lines coming out of nowhere and like this is the biggest plot line now it's like we're over halfway into the series and then you're only really just bringing in these things mm. um there's a couple of things like that um i thought the cast nailed the acting and stuff like that um owen played by uh raul from i zombie he okay. was he was great he was so charming in it um and the last episode did like leave me really choked up by the end of it um it was like quite an emotional ending for a series that's meant to be a horror series i didn't think it was that scary there's a couple of like creepy bits but i didn't think it was like really that scary starts off like the first end of the series having like quite a few like mini jump scares Mm -hmm. and then after that it's more just sort of like creepy visuals and stuff okay cool so something that i may be able to tolerate yeah definitely um what i saw of the first season that one was like a bit scarier but i feel like I connected with the themes in the first season a bit more from what I saw of it. Okay, um, cool. The Haunting on Hill House, that is. Whereas mm-hmm. this one, this one was nice, but I don't think I related with all the uh, themes as much. This one tackled a lot more about guilt. Um, I've seen the memes online. Seen the memes? There's quite a lot of memes for The Haunting of Bly House. I haven't seen that many memes. There's like some girl, like so I don't know whether it's some girl who gets her head chopped off or something, but I've just seen memes of like this girl stood there and then another picture of her without a head or something. So I don't know whether that's something from The Haunted of Bly House or whether it's just something totally, totally different. I don't remember that from the... No, uh, maybe that was from the first season because it has got a lot of the same cast, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, probably um, from the first season. Maybe, then. maybe. Yeah. Um, after that, I watched Fences. So this was on BBC, uh, not BBC, sorry, Film 4 the other night, and I caught in. I was so glad that I finally had a chance to watch this. This was Denzel Washington's directorial debut, mm-hmm. uh, starring Denzel Washington in the lead role. It's got Viola Davis in there as well. Um, some of the actors that you'll recognise. Uh, it's a proper just like slice of life. I think it's in the late 50s or 60s. Um in is it Chicago or uh, New York? I can't quite remember. I can't remember where it's set, anyway. but basically, it's it's a slice of life um, about a, a couple of uh, family like struggling with the times and like sort of like it's almost like uh, Denzel Washington's character almost like reminiscing on his life and how it's impacting his his future and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like got themes of like. Um, Sins of the Father and all that sort of stuff, like how much do you pass down on tea kids and all that sort of stuff. It was a brilliantly acted and brilliantly written uh, film. I don't think it's for everybody because it is like it's a slow paced slice of life, uh, but 
it, it's based off a, th- uh, a theater play so it feels like that when you're watching it as well it's just normally set in the one house typically it's all set in the in the uh, most of it's set in the back garden where okay. obviously the fence and the fences and the the theme of building fences and stuff like that mm-hmm. i thought it was a great film um i'll it also relates to something that we got in trailers as well. So I was really yeah, glad that yeah. I managed to check this out before. Um, well, I uh, may as well name drop it now. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the same uh, writer of the play. Um, wrote Fences as well. So I was really glad that I got to see this before the next film came out. To see like the themes that he follows throughout his work and stuff like that. And then finally, I watched The Trump Show on BBC Two. Um, Jeez, you, watched, like a, you watched a lot this week, didn't you? I watched a lot this week. Um, the Trump Show, I think it's on episode two now. I've only been able to check out the first episode so far. Um, it's basically all like the behind the scenes, like from the people that were actually in the White House with Trump and stuff like that. Um, okay. Well, that's so interesting that really we, were, we were talking about something that had already been released in the States, but... I can't remember what it was called. It was the... Uh, the Combi... The Combi something. something. Yeah, yeah. Rule or something yeah, like that. Something like that. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting that we had just found out about that and there's like this dramatic retelling of it and then there's this like behind the scenes like documentary series about it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's just fucking mind-boggling the shit that fucking went on in the White House. <laughs> um, but it was just enthralling. It was literally just watching a car crash in slow motion. <laughs> uh, uh, if you've got access to bbc or iplayer i definitely recommend checking it out especially before the next election uh, inform yourselves people don't forget to go out and vote if you're in america uh, make the right decisions uh Sam, what did you watch uh to be honest with you i've not really had a chance to watch much it's kind of like we switched places a little bit um yeah i've been continuing my uh my watch of the walking dead been watching that okay. every now and then uh where are we up to now uh negan's not far away I think. Oh, okay. So you haven't watched, no. watched since last week. The saviors have been introduced. Um, Excellent. And I feel like Negan's either at the end of the episode I'm about to watch or the next mm. episode. So we're not yeah, far that, away. That double length episode. Little pig, little pig. <laughs> Let me in. But I can't that's, wait. That's later on in the season. That's later yeah. on when it gets to not sanctuary the other place. The but I, I can't wait because I just remembered. I just remember watching Jeffrey Dean Morgan in The Walking Dead and just thinking he's one of the most sinister, good bad guys oh, that I've seen in that TV show for like a so long good. time. You long hate time. him, but you just want him on screen all the time. Yeah. So I think this bit where he starts to come back in is either going to be where I continue to watch it or I then fall off a little bit like I did with the original. But I think it was mm-hmm. because, like I said, I was thinking about this and I, th- I think why I've been watching it again so much is it's much easier to binge than what it is to watch every week. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like... Since it's come around as well, like binge culture has obviously been a thing like since we kind of stopped watching The Walking Dead. Um, And I've always kept up with The Walking Dead week to week until I stopped watching it. Um, But it it definitely does feel like one of those shows that like just having like a full season to watch in one go is like so good. Like obviously I feel like the Negan arc, the tension between every week and being able to like go into work and chat about it or talk to you about it or we can theorize and stuff like that. The way we do with like the Mandalorian and the boys and stuff like that is great, but 
some of the seasons feel like you're better off binging them because they have like lulls and stuff in them. Yeah, defo. And then other than that, I've not watched anything really. I've got a couple of things on the list of things to watch. So um, before we move into news, I guess this is a little bit of a, an in, like a pre-news story. Obviously, the new Borat film's out. Uh, that was yeah. meant to have been received really well, so I think that's definitely what I'm going to watch. Uh, maybe we'll do an episode on it next week. Who knows? Um, I think I might actually watch that right after we finish recording this, ready for next week. Yeah, and then there's a couple of other bits that I've got in my lists that I want to watch. So uh, I was going to give... Uh, let me give me two seconds. Let me just flick over to my uh, my list. Um, oh, God. You know what? When we talk about really terrible um, layouts for fucking streaming, streaming services, services just all the time. Uh, oh, uh, Star Trek Discovery started up again. So I was oh, yeah. kind of feeling a little bit tempted to maybe go back and give it another chance because I'm not a massive Star Trek watcher. Or I've not really watched much in terms of Star Trek. So uh, no, I think- I, I've never been massive, but I did enjoy season one. I thought season one was really good. Yeah, and I think now maybe that we've got um, a bit more out. Like I said, I think I prefer to maybe binge a couple of episodes now and yeah. watch that. Uh, upgrades. How far into season one did you get? Uh, episode 10, I think, was okay. the last one that I watched. So I don't know so when I, I finished I think, it. I think there was only 12 or 15 episodes in season one. Anyway, so you were pretty close. I thought season one was a lot better than what I've seen in Season 2 so far. They're introducing Spock in Season 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's just taken a bit too long and, like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I just don't think Season 2 clicked with me as well as Season 1. And then um, I think the other thing on my, looks good. And then the other thing on my list was Peanut Butter Falcon. I think I'm going to give that a watch. Oh, um, oh that's fantastic. I want to watch. I want to talk about that on the podcast because I loved that film. Yeah, I don't know. I keep keep coming across. I want to watch more films because I keep stumbling across TV series. And I think when it comes to, especially with the Mandalorian around the corner, I don't want to be having too many TV shows on the go. Which I think is why I'm trying to smash through my rewatch of The Walking Dead so much. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, I reckon maybe we try and find a version of Honey Boy as well, and we do like a Shia LaBeouf, like Peanut Butter Falcon or Honey Boy, because they came out around about the same time, and they were getting yeah. a lot of buzz together. So, but I mean, Peanut Butter Falcon, man. Oh, shall we transfer over to news? News. Get, get us rolling. Uh, so I haven't really got any news, so you drop. I've got drop a real quick little... Uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for, which links one thing to another? Segway. Segway. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, I had a little segue there. I don't know how legitimate this is, by the way. I don't know whether I've just seen it on a, you know, covering off perhaps legitimate news on this podcast that we cannot confirm whether or not it is true or not. <laughs> However, okay, we got this covered.com uh, and <laughs> IMDB also did this, uh, which makes it a little bit better. But Apparently, Shia LaBeouf is being reportedly eyed to play a popular Star Wars character. Oh. Now, a lot of people have been wondering who, if Shia LaBeouf was going to come into the Star Wars universe, would he play a brand new character? Would he play someone that already exists? Um, Would it be a TV series on Disney Plus? Would it be a film? Uh, one thing that kind of circulates around a little bit is perhaps Kyle Katarn. Okay, 
That's from... that's who went through my mind to begin with because like that is a character that everyone's itching to come in and like I could see him in that sort of role. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think probably the whole Shia LaBeouf into Star Wars would be a little bit of a, a lukewarm kind of. I think you've got a couple oh, yeah, of haters definitely. who may not want him to come into it, but. You know, give they the- just need to watch Peanut Butter Falcon. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> watch something that wasn't as uh, contra- not controversial. On the fence, maybe, which has got yeah. like love and hate. Maybe, maybe watch something I mean, that isn't a bit like the Last Jedi, which is a bit hit and miss <laughs> for yeah. people. I, th- I think, I think if you get like somewhere between like Shire in Fury and Shire in. Um, Lawless, yeah, he's good in Fury, in Peanut Butter Falcon, like somewhere on that sort of like spectrum. Mm-hmm. Then I think a Kyle Katan type, like you know, like a smuggler character would be pretty cool. Yeah, like Kyle Katan starts out as like a kind of like a Han Solo esque character and then becomes like more of a Jedi as the games unfold. Doesn't yeah, it? he's literally like a a smuggler Jedi in a way. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, uh, right. Other news stories. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, the next big story we've got this week is that Jared Leto is to reprise his role as the Joker in the Snyder Cut. Okay, so I've just I've literally just found a new article which relates to this as well. That apparently Joe Manganiello is reportedly going to be coming back as Deathstroke now as well. I've mm. seen that break about two hours ago. Um, yeah, so are we going to get like a couple scenes of the Legion of Doom or? Something like that, because that's what we had set up at the end of Dawn of Justice, didn't we? Yeah. Now, this is a lot to shove into this uh, limited series or whatever. Make it it's six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck four episodes. Make it six. Yeah. It's it's a lot to put in, though, isn't it? I mean, if you. Yeah. I, I, like, the thing is, is it's either going to be a lot to put in or you're setting up something. But anything that you set up in the Snyder Cut is got, has got to be followed through. Because why would you not set something up or why would you not do anything like where you reintroduce Jared Leto's Joker who wasn't in the original Justice League at all and then you bring in Joe Manganiello's death Deathstroke again it's like well why would you do that to then not set that up further you get me yeah but um so I put this you know this this story was on our Instagram um on Friday when we uh, recorded this but I kind of felt posting it that I was expecting a little bit of a, you know, love-hate thing about the post. Now, a lot of people are really angry about Jared Leto reprising his role. Yeah. But, but, one thing you've really got to think about is Warner Brothers are aware of the problems with Suicide Squad. And they were aware of what people thought about Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker, right? People Mm -hmm. are aware of that. They know. The Joker film has been out and people have seen they've seen what people liked from the Joker. So, if he's coming back to reprise his role in filming additional scenes, is it going to be a quite a big departure from what we had in Suicide Squad? Is it going to be his Joker in... Because let's remember the trailers. When the trailers came out for Suicide Squad and we saw his Joker, everyone was like, whoa, like... Yes. yes, everyone was on board with that. Um, uh, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you really, really bad. 
Yeah, everyone. the creepy side of him, and then you didn't really get that in the theatrical cut. No, no, no. Off Based off that first trailer, everyone was all in on Jared Leto Joker. People are a little bit like, yeah, the tattoos are a bit weird and stuff, but everyone was all in on it. Well, the majority yeah. of people were more in on it than what they were when the film had come out. So maybe, maybe they work with that. I don't know. I'm actually quite interested to see him back because he's a very interesting take on the joker it's very different versus what we've seen kind of in films already i guess like yeah it's it's um, very much different from the dark knight very much different from joker that we got the joaquin phoenix version so i don't know i think it's going to be quite uh if he comes across as quite quite a brutal type like a uh you know, like a mob boss, brut- brutal kind of, yeah. I don't know, a bit of a Negan-ish thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I think, because we know as well, most of the stuff that he filmed for Suicide Squad got cut out. That was in like the original draft of it, which was meant to be a lot darker and everything like that. And then obviously it got all the trouble with the reshoots and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And also, David Ayer has been posting a lot more stuff and he's talking, like, he's saying that, for himself, he's re-editing the film. He's getting his cut done. Like, okay, uh, I've also seen this around. David Ayer is saying that he's like re-editing him it just by himself at home as like a little project type thing. It's like, would Warner Brothers let him say that if it wasn't <laughs> going to go somewhere? Like, maybe the Ayer cut is coming. But I think, I think Jared Leto's version of the Joker got lost in the edit of. Suicide Squad, and I think if he is then brought into the fold with um, uh, with Zack Schneider directing him, and maybe being involved with the Legion of Doom, if we've got um, if we've got Deathstroke being back, and maybe uh, Lex Luthor will come back and stuff like that, because I think Lex did actually have a couple scenes filmed for Justice League, which were cut, Mm -hmm. possibly. So maybe we're getting like. Maybe towards the beginning of the series or whatever it ends up being. Uh, I know they've said a four-part series, but if they're bringing all these back and doing bigger reshoots now, maybe it's going to change. Maybe it's going to be something to like bring the Justice League together a little bit as like a mini team up or like a couple of them, like Batman and Wonder Woman team yeah. up to try and take out the Legion of Doom or something like that. Or even just or a maybe- bit of uh, prelude stuff would be cool. Like Yeah. Uh, just general Batman versus Joker stuff at the beginning, just to well, get a little bit of that. Well, that's what I was about to say because we haven't seen anything of the Batman working by himself, have we? we? Like every film that he's been in has been part of a collaborative thing. He hasn't had Ben Affleck hasn't had a solo Batman film to explore his rogue gallery, uh, rogues gallery, or like any of his past or working by himself or anything. So you could have like. A montage at the beginning of him taking down all these different members of his rogues gallery. Uh, rogues gallery. Don't know why I can't say that today. Or it, yeah, or it could even be like a post-credit thing. Maybe, maybe it ends with setting up the Legion of Doom, and that might have been something that Zack Snyder wanted to tackle in the future. Isn't it um, strange? There's loads of different versions, but I'm intrigued to see what he does with these characters once he's actually able to use them. Isn't it so strange that we're talking about Ben Affleck's Batman? even though we've got the Robert Patterson Batman in the works at the minute. We've got him just down the road from us. Yeah, it's just so odd that <laughs> that's the new thing, and then we're still going to get Ben Affleck's um, rendition of Batman in the Snyder Cut. Well, it's just so weird, yeah. isn't it? it? It's weird, and it was weirder that they were both meant to come out next year, 
I mean, the fact that the Batman's been pushed back to uh, 2022 now, hasn't it, in the end? Yeah, uh, yeah, sadly. Like, it, it's not quite as weird having the two Batman in the same year now, but it is still strange that we're still talking about essentially a project that is now, what, five years old? <laughs> oh, my word, yeah, literally. Almost, like, since we first started, like, seeing stuff about Justice League, it's definitely, like... When the Justice DC... came out in, what, 2017? Yeah, it was when the DC... EU was still like in its infancy. Yeah. So weird. So weird. Yeah, it's really um, weird. But uh there's a little bit more Speaking from the... speaking of uh the quickly the Batman, uh they've moved production to Chicago now as well. Um they're doing some set dressings and stuff like that. I don't think Batman himself has been seen on set yet or Robert Pattinson or anything like that, but I we've seen shots of like set dressings in Chicago and stuff. They're getting ready to film, you know, sort of like the underbelly of Gotham with like the overhead railways and everything like that. Getting ready to shoot all that sort of stuff. They're putting stickers around the city and things. Maybe it's a little bit of that bloody tier three lockdown that's uh, taking <laughs> them out. You never know. Well, uh, they're, they're, they always plan to shoot in um, Chicago to get sort of like that city vibe from it that you're not going to get from Liverpool. Like yeah. Liverpool's there for like the architecture and like the old Gothic stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, no. Gotham's but, uh, been all over, really, hasn't it? It's been in Glasgow. They filmed in Glasgow. Yeah. And then they filmed in Liverpool, Chicago, green screen. Chicago. Pinewood, probably. Hey. Um, yeah, no, crazy. Um, like, moving on with a little bit more of the Batman stuff, um, we've seen more shots of him on top of the Liver building in Liverpool, which is just the most hilarious photos I've seen. <laughs> Wearing a big old uh, wingsuit about to jump off. I think we talked about that last week, didn't we? Yeah. But we, uh, you know, we got uh, some video footage coming out as well. And then there was that photo of him that I'm going to put on our on our Instagram, so it's probably already gone out by now. But he looks like uh, Batman Ninja, where he's got like that black robe on. I don't know whether you Oh, seen. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, when I saw it, I thought, like, oh, this would be so funny to like start some fake news about it being Batman Ninja. <laughs> I've seen a few people saying like he, he looks like he's getting more like Palpatine as well without the just needs a hood and stuff the gold Literally. robes yeah uh, unlimited power unlimited power unlimited batarangs uh, we've also had um, photo, some more photos revealed from Suicide Squad 2 or the Suicide Squad. Yeah, so this uh, is James from post and stuff. Empire. It's come from Empire, an exclusive yeah. from Empire. Um, their cover, they've got two covers coming out, one with all the uh, Suicide Squad looking serious, one with James Gunn with all the Suicide Squad looking less serious. Um, yeah, cool. Looks awesome. I, I've uh, yeah, it's on our Instagram. If you want to head over and have a little look, uh, we should promote socials more at the top. It's uh, at GetRealPod at Instagram dot com. No, hang on. <laughs> uh, get, it's, it's on at GetRealPod on Instagram. Yes, at GetRealPod on Instagram. Head over and check it out. Uh, give us it's a follow. The same on uh, Twitter as well and Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, looks cool. Looks cool. Uh, I mean, they say this is like the world exclusive first look. It's probably a first look at like more behind the scenes stuff. But if you were at DC Fandom or was checking anything out from DC Fandom, you got to see a lot of this anyway. You got to see a lot of the characters. Yeah. Um, King Shark looks cool. I'm really happy with the just dopey looking shark that they've gone with. Just makes yeah. me very happy. Uh, and yeah, everything everything looks cool. I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. 
There's not really much critique about this. Some of the costumes look a little bit dopey, I'm not going to lie, but that's the whole point. Yeah. Like, they are fucking dopey characters. Like, these are Z-list I mean, Polka Dot Man and we're assuming Arm Fall Off Boy or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. The detachable kid that we think he's being called, and yeah. So yeah, exciting. Looking forward to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether I might actually pick up this uh, copy of Empire and have a little look at the uh, behind the scenes stuff that they've yeah, got. I haven't, had, I haven't bought a copy in ages. But the last copy of Empire I bought was potentially Avengers Endgame. Potentially. Yeah, I did get the Endgame copy. Um, I think I got. Um, Rise of Skywalker issue as well. I think, mm. I think that might be the last one that I got. Um, speaking of finding a segue, speaking of Star Wars, while we quickly mentioned <laughs> it, um, so a couple of things. So obviously, Mandalorian season two starts from next week, which I'm so excited about, Chris. So excited. <laughs> um, we're probably going to cover off uh, every ep- one episode every week, probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're going to do that without looking well, like we've totally become a Mandalorian podcast. Maybe we'll start a third well, podcast just about the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, uh, an after show podcast, maybe. Yeah, literally. Um, uh, well, we could probably like drop it at the end of every episode, just like a quick like five minutes or something about every episode. Let us know what you'd think. You know, like we did with um, the boys a little bit at the end of yeah, episodes, that'd we be spoke cool. about it quickly. But also, I mean, speaking about the Mandalorian, uh, there's a couple of little bits and bobs from the uh, Disney camp. So, uh, the Batman is going to be using Mandalorian tech, which is going to be cool. So they're going to be using the okay, um, cool. the 360 screens. The uh, can't think of what they actually call it, but they basically use uh, Unreal Engine on that wall of LEDs, don't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Real time rendering backgrounds and everything. Yeah. That'll be Spend cool. shifts with the cameras and stuff. It's cool. Um, Disney are dropping a group watch feature that looks really interesting for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, you sent that to us and the boys. Us and the boys. The boys from the Get Real Gaming podcast. Yeah, because chat. I, th- I really wouldn't mind watching it this way. Yeah. Really actually wouldn't mind yeah. watching it as a group watch. Watch, e- watch episode one together. We can get all our reactions to it and then maybe we have them on for that episode, maybe, Mandalorian. That might be cool. Maybe we'll just get them on for every episode we are, at this rate. We are all huge fucking Star Wars fans. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then also off the back of... Oh, well, basically, group watch is basically you can watch it with a group of people, just in case it wasn't that obvious. Um, <laughs> but why they're only just doing this now? Probably off the back of The Mandalorian, but this would have been so handy like three, four months ago, but can't complain too much, you know, circumstances. Yeah. Um, and also the final little bit of Star Wars Star Warsy news before we talk about something else was uh, Ewan McGregor did in costume camera tests for the Kenobi Disney Plus series on the set yes. of the Mandalorian. He's back. Yes. Jesus is back. Yes. And he confirmed that on the Happy Sad Confused podcast. Happy Sad Confused. Yeah, he revealed he went onto the set of the Mandalorian to do some in costume camera test with his show's director, Deborah Chow. Now there has got to be a photo of this somewhere that either hasn't landed on the internet. <laughs> Somebody yet. leak it. Please. <laughs> please leak it if you were there and you by whatever means listening to this podcast. How is this not leaked yet? Like that would have been like the biggest leak ever. It is Disney though, so they are absolutely all over they were probably like, no cameras. None of you can have cameras out right now. Put all your cameras, yeah, all your phones away. Yeah, but we get leaks away. from the MCU, don't we? 
Yeah, but this is like just a quick test shot. So I don't know. Someone's probably took a photo of it because oh, that's why see you're testing that it. Glorious, that perfectly trimmed beard and swishy hair. You oh. and McGregor's little face. What does he look like right now? That's the question. He looks like Obi Wan. Very. Good. We saw it at the beginning of lockdown when he was doing the barbecue stuff. And oh, he was like, yeah, he had he had the hair and the beard back and everything. It's like <laughs> yes. Uh, he's also done um, a new uh, Long Way Down series. Yeah, I think it's Long Way Up. Is Long it? Way up. Is in, yeah, yeah, is yeah, it in is. Africa or is it South America? I don't know, but I, I definitely want to watch it though because I, I remember watching The Long Apple Way TV, Down years ago and really like really enjoyed it. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Uh, it's on. It's on Apple TV. So. Mm-hmm. And our last uh, little story that we can chat about is first look at Tom Holland as Nate Thundrake from Uncharted. Uh, <laughs> Tom Holland. Hello there. <laughs> Tom Holland. <laughs> I'm Tom Holland. Oh, I'm just battering the wardrobe in this ghetto setup that I've got going on right now. Exactly how Nathan Drake, sorry, Nathan Drake is going to uh, batter some, I don't know, ropes or something. I don't know what. <laughs> never seen it. I've never played Uncharted. So. Oh, man. The Uncharted games are good. I don't I've have played. a PlayStation. I've played one or two. So I've I had a PlayStation this. 3. But, uh, yeah, costumes... He looks great. Costume's pretty on point. It is just Tom Holland as Tom Holland, basically. It's literally... It's Uncharted 1, Nathan Drake. Like, the costume from the first game. Like, the white, like, half-sleeve or three-quarter rolled-up sleeve. White, stained, like, T-shirt. He's got the necklace and everything. He's got the same combat pants and everything. It's literally just... They've taken the character and just put Tom Holland's face on it. Yep, I did you all a favour and compared it on the Instagram. So you can go over, have a little look at that if you want, see what you think. Do it. I think he looks pretty good and I'm loving everything that Tom Holland's doing at the moment, especially after yeah. The Devil All the Time. We know he can be a bit more serious. Ooh, He's not yeah. always like juvenile. No. Uh, Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. give me more. <laughs> Very good. Right, trailers? Trailers? Right, you take it away on trailers, because I know you've seen quite a lot already okay. in terms of trailers. Yeah. Um, I'll do the ones that I've seen, and then I'll bring you in towards the end for the ones that we watched it together just before the podcast. How many trailers Starting did off, we have dropped this week, roughly? Um, we, we had a lot. Um, I've got five here. I can run through a couple of them, uh, a couple of them super quick. Uh, there's two main ones that we want to talk about, which will be done at the end. So... Dreamland, first of all, this is a Margot Robbie film. Um, she plays like an outlaw and then she stumbles across like a ranch uh, with this like teenage, like wannabe bounty hunter esque character. He's also smuggling people across to Mexico and stuff. Um, okay. So it's Margot Robbie, and the other lead in this is Finn Cole, who, if you've seen uh, Names Left Me, Peaky Blinders, he's from the later series of Peaky Blinders. He's the son that was given up for adoption but then he comes back into the family towards the end um okay cool uh, that that's the only thing that i recognize it from it's also got um garrett headland um who was finn's son in tron legacy so he's the lead role in tron legacy and then travis Fillum, who is ragnar lothbrook from vikings he was the lead role in uh warcraft as well um so it's like sort of like Midwest sort of outlaw, almost Bonnie and Clyde esque towards the end, uh, 
seems pretty cool. Loads of like mad sandstorms and stuff hitting as well. Uh, shootouts and ting. This is dropping on Amazon Prime on November 13th. Cool. So awesome. after that, we've got Proxima, which seems like this just came out of nowhere, but it seems like a really interesting film. It's the way that I would describe it is. You know, like that one scene in Interstellar where um, Matthew McConaughey does the best acting of his life and like he sees his kids' lives unravel in front of him and like he has all that emotional moment and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like the entire film is basically based off that sort of premise almost. Um, it's Eva Green uh, is playing, I believe, like trying to translate in my head it sounded french i believe she was playing a french astronaut um and it's got matt dillon in there who was in the house that jack built uh the outlanders not outlanders was it uh the outsiders i think it was uh you'll know his face if you see him like he looks like one of the guys from entourage (laughs) (laughs) um he he always played something about mary he's always sort of like a like an older chad looking fella (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um, basically she's going to leave on the first Mars mission um, and it's about all sort of like her having to leave her daughter behind and the struggles between them and everything like that Um, there's a quote in there it's like there's no such thing as a perfect astronaut the same way there's no such thing as a perfect way of being a mother and stuff like that so it's very much sort of like it felt like you know the last scene that Matthew McConaughey's character has with his daughter before he leaves to go to space and then it's that scene where he watches his daughter's life unfold in front of him. It seems like it was all based around that premise. Anyway, that comes out November 6th. It seems good. It's getting like five-star reviews from everywhere. Um, so maybe it might sneak into some of the um, award nominations, maybe. Um, one that I think definitely is, is the next film, Hillbilly Allegiancy? Elegance? Elegance? I've completely forgot what this word even Ele- is. I'm Ele- looking at letters. Elegy? Elegy? Elegy. Elegy. That's what I was thinking. And then I was like... Uh, so an elegy is a sad poem. Yeah, it fucking seems like it. <laughs> sad poe- <laughs> uh, poem. Uh, serious reflection, usually in a lament for the dead. Yeah, that pretty much seems like it. So, <laughs> so this film, um, Hillbilly Elegy, we got there. Um... Stars Glenn Close and Amy Adams, uh, both like nominees. Uh, Glenn Close is an Oscar winner and stuff like that. Uh, Amy Adams has been nominated for tons of stuff. She's won Golden Globes and Emmys and stuff like that. But it's yep. a Ron Howard film. It drops out on Netflix on November 24th. It's based off a true life memoir of sort of like a, a struggling mother after she loses her husband and the father of her kids and stuff like that. And her struggle to raise kids and it shows it through like multiple different timelines and it's all about like how the three different generations get on with it so glenn close is a sick grandmother and got amy adams as the mother and then you've got her son um and sort of how people fall apart and fall off the wagon and get back on and raise kids and struggle to raise kids and have like dysfunctional families how sometimes like grandparents have to take over and stuff like that and it seems like a really like intense emotional drama uh it's ron howard it looked beautiful um some of the shots in there but it's dropping on netflix on november 24th it seems like it's going to be like being pushed towards um awards and stuff like that because they are also releasing it in selected cinemas um 
which is what Netflix do whenever they want to push for an award like The Irishman. Um, so yeah, I think this is definitely could be a contender for awards next season, um, just based off the trailer. So we'll have to check it out. Um, there's yeah, a lot of films, sounds good. A lot of films dropping like this onto uh, onto streaming services to release this year, um, and then very very limited th- uh, cinema releases to try and get. Try and get in there for the awards. So this feels like one of those that we've just seen like a load of trailers drop for films like this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next one to talk about is uh, shall we go Netflix or Disney? Go Netflix. We'll stick with Netflix. Okay, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, we talked about this quickly when we mentioned Fences. So this is Viola Davis in the lead role, Chadwick Boseman in his last on-screen performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's dropping on Netflix in on December 18th. Um, we discussed this a couple of weeks back when we got the first images, but it's basically in, I believe it's Chicago, how black musicians were treated in the rise of like jazz and blues and everything like that. Um, being like swindled in the industry and stuff like that. It seems like a really intense film, but amazing. Viola Davis does not look anything like Viola Davis no, in this film, but she looks not. like she's playing it amazingly. Yep. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, some of the lines that they put in that trailer, they knew what they were doing. Like there's a shot. I, just, I think he says like, uh, my time's about to come and he's got like a single tear rolling down his face. And I was like, mm. you can't, you can't say that to us. You can't say that to us right now. Like, Rest yeah. in peace, man. Like that, like that one line. My time's about to come, and he's like sort of staring at a spotlight with a single tear going down his eye. And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's too heavy. soon, man. Too soon." Um, but yeah. yeah, this looks like it's going to be a great film. It's dropping on Netflix, so everybody in the world will watch it. Um, hopefully, I believe this is getting a limited cinema cinema release as well, but I don't know how much. Um, so was Dreamland. I forgot to mention that. That's getting a limited screen, oh, okay. uh, screen release. So they're obviously pushing to try and be eligible for awards and stuff like that. I think uh, uh, Ma Rainey's definitely got a chance of being up there in the contenders, especially with the subject matter that it's contending with mm-hmm. um, and the talent behind it as well. Like um, Obviously, we said it's got Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman in there, but it's yep. based off um, a play by the same... Uh, playwright as Fences, like we said, which was up for a lot of awards. I believe Viola Davis won Best Supporting Actress for that yes. at the Oscars. Yes. Um, so obviously the subject matter is there and everything like that. Uh, the uh, the writer of the screen version is Ruben Santiago Hudson, who I'm looking through and he's done like loads of amazing, like or not all amazing, but loads of amazing films and some really cool films that I didn't realize that he worked on. Like he did the devil's advocate, which was, um, Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. Um, he did blown away Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones. He did Mr. Brooks. Do you remember Mr. Brooks? I do remember Mr. Brooks. Like when I saw that, I was like, I've got to mention that to Simon Cause that's like a proper throwback for us. Yes. Like 15 year old metalheads listening to Mr. Brooks songs, watching Mr. Brooks, <laughs> like a psycho like type guy. <laughs> Decapitating people with a spade, didn't he? Yeah, brutal. brutal film. He also wrote Shaft, the 2000 version of Shaft with Samuel <laughs> Jackson. Like this guy's worked on loads of stuff. Law and Order. He does loads of TV and stuff. Um, yeah. So like this, like really has the chops to be up there. Um, and then finally, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. 
This is the Disney film we mentioned probably yeah. a couple months back now. We finally get our first look teaser. This is coming out on March 21st, 2021. They're still hoping for a cinema release. What did you think of this, Sam? I actually thought this looked really good. I think the an- the animation is on point. It looks beautiful. Oh, the yeah. the bit with that small little shell creature um, when it's tiny and it's um, it, it was so cute. Yeah, it little looks armadillo amazing. like uh, was it Tuntun or something? She's called it. Yeah, then it grows to be massive by the end of the trailer. <laughs> um, no, it looks really good. I I think this looks a bit like um, well, it's made by Moana, isn't it? It's the same same creators as Moana. Well. Yeah, like yeah, it's pretty much the same creators work on most Disney films. But yeah, it's like they, they are pushing Moana. It did have very much Moana films. It felt to me like Mulan crossed with Brave was how it felt for me. Like the first half of the trailer when she's young and training and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like visuals are so cool in this. The colors and everything are popping like mad. Uh, the visual aesthetic of it is like sort of like um, Fugal Japan like to the max almost like it felt very much sort of like uh i know mulan's china um but like it felt like that sort of vibes but then heightened to add that like fantasy edge you know sort of like um pandaria from um world warcraft or something you know like when they mix fantasy and asian cultures together yeah it felt so much like that but it looked cool like all the animations of the movements looked dead fluid didn't they when they were fighting and Mm. stuff like that Mm. Um, I, I I thought this looked super cool and it's every sort of vibe that I'm digging so I'm really excited to see this I also thought at the beginning she looked like she was a waterbender she was dressed the same way <laughs> as like a waterbender from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender that would be like, a crossover <laughs> it would be uh, mate Disney needs to assume the rights for that because it seems <laughs> like the Netflix version might be going down the pan because the creators of the show have already left over creative differences. Mm. We clearly know that the last fucking film version was dog shit. Just Disney need to snap up those rights from Nickelodeon and just like do something with it. Could you imagine a Disney Plus series with the same budget as The Mandalorian but of Avatar? It would work so well. Or even just like, oh, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> going down a Somebody good over. work on Avatar. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, well, anyway this looks Raya really looks good. good. Yeah, looks good. Looks good. That's that's the uh, the top. I'm line. hoping. I'm hoping. I really am that this gets a cinema release. I'm hoping cinemas are open by March 21st, 2021. <laughs> I mean, this this will be beautiful on the big screen. Yeah, I really hope so. That's like, but that's crazy. That's only five months away. Where's this year gone? Where has it gone? where's this year gone we're nearly in november holy shit i know a lot of places as well it's really sad a lot of places are saying that probably the first half of 2021 is going to be a write-off as well yeah or it probably seems right with the delays and stuff that we've had thankfully we've not heard of anything else being delayed but the marvel camp has been really quiet over the last few weeks they are well saying that actually that was a bit of news I completely forgot about. We've had behind-the-scenes video and photos from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, okay. So right. we saw in Australia, I believe it was. It was either Australia or New Zealand. I think it was Australia. We saw the behind-the-set photos of the sort of like tournament camp, like um, like Asian-inspired like dojos and like where the tournament that we believe is happening um, was set. 
So we know half of this film is going to be based around Shang-Chi being entered into a fighting tournament to try and win the Ten Rings of Power, we believe. Um, which the uh, the real Mandarin might be entering him or like the Mandarin is like trying to rig the tournament to win the Ten Rings because in the comic books the Mandarin has the Ten Rings of Power and the like alien tech and that's where he gets all this magical mumbo jumbo from. Mm-hmm. Really cool. So we know that's going to be like a big chunk of the film, but now we're getting shots from Chicago um, where they're shooting on the streets. Um, We're seeing cracked earth, like big mounds of cracked earth and stuff like that. And um, like there was a, you know, like a bendy bus, like the ones that bend in the middle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, We've seen like footage of them like driving through the streets like dead uh, recklessly and stuff like that. And then we've seen another shot of it later on where it's split in half, like drifting round corners and stuff like that. Okay. Um, But we've seen footage of like bridge, uh, like a bridge with like broken earth and like construction workers like fleeing the scene and stuff like that, diving out the way and stuff. People are. Apparently, there's like very Roos Loomers that Fing Fang Foon is going to be in this. <laughs> Roos Loomers. Sorry, I had to. I had to. <laughs> I did not even notice I said that. <laughs> Loose Rumors, Roos Loomers. <laughs> Get it on a t-shirt. Roos Loomers. Roos Loomers. That's the new. Uh, that's the new. That's news the name segment. for the news segment now. Roos Loomers. Here we go. <laughs> well, welcome our new co-host, Roos Loomers. He's the one with all our inside. He's the one with all our insider information. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, loose yeah. rumors that Fing Fang Foom is going to be in this, which is like a giant, like intergalactic, I believe, um, like space dragon. Wow, which is like big in like the Iron Fist comics and stuff like that. So you're like, telling me. Chris. Maybe we might get a giant it? space dragon. You're telling stampede me that we in couldn't Chicago. get a normal we couldn't get a normal dragon in Mushu. In uh, Mulan. <laughs> in Mulan. Sorry. But we could get a big intergalactic time traveling dragon in Shang-Chi. We couldn't we couldn't even get a dragon in Iron Fist or the Defenders, where both seasons were about somebody killing a dragon. So anything to do with a dragon, you know now. Come on, everyone's gotta know the dragon has to be in there. Unless yeah, it's like, the Iron oh. Mask, in which case, get rid of that dragon. <laughs> just just work on that dragon more. Stop yeah. working on the same fight between Arnie and and Jackie Chan and just work on that dragon for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe like, this Earth is sort of like, maybe like, Fing Fang Foom is like, dormant underneath like, Chicago or stuff, because we know like, dragons were underneath New York and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe he was dormant underneath, um, Chicago and then like the Mandarin with the Ten Rings awakens Fing Fang Foom or something like that and that's what these like huge craters are and stuff is like where he's burst out the earth or something mm. and like he's running amok in um in Chicago although like Shang-Chi doesn't really have many superpowers he's just like the best martial artist don't know how he's going to take out an intergalactic dragon but I'd love to see it anyway like just a Bruce Lee fists, style man. fight against a, against a dragon. Just, yeah, just punch him in the eye a bunch of times. You know what I mean? <laughs> Blind that dragon. Just, you just you just you can just punch a dragon out. I could put. Yeah, I, I, I could punch a dragon yeah. out. You can punch a dragon out. Yeah, easy. 
Sam versus a dragon, right? Let us know. <laughs> Tweet at us who do you think would win a battle, Sam versus a dragon, using Onelia's fists. Watch this. Nobody ever tweets out at us, and then I'll get tweeted out to like a, a 1v1 fight versus like some martial artist Stand- or something. Standard rules, right? <laughs> standard rules. You're, on, you're launched into the middle of a boxing ring. These are our standard rules. Okay. Boxing ring, <laughs> you versus dragon. Than the normal standard rules that we ever hear. Yeah, about. because I don't <laughs> want to rip off anybody else's standard fighting rules. Like our standard fighting rules is you, because it's just a fist fight as well. No. You on one side of the ring and a dragon on the fucking other side of the ring. The dragon <laughs> is also wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> and who would win in the fight? <laughs> oh my god. It's like the gulag. Jeez. Uh, it is. Yeah. Fucking Gulag Gang. Let's go. Gulag Gang. Here we go. Right. See you in the showers, boys. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Anyway, that wraps up trailers. Shall we move on to the main topic this week that we have failed to mention throughout this whole episode so far? Uh, but it's in, yeah. the, it's in the title, thank God. Um, the Trial of Chicago 7. Yeah. So... This is Aaron Sorkin's latest film. He wrote and directed it. Um, he wrote The Social Network. Um, he also did... Let's get a quick Google. I did remember all this last night. So he wrote for The West Wing, Newsroom. Uh, he wrote and directed Molly's Game, which came out last year. I believe that was uh, that was the one about the insider gambling ring with Jessica Chastain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jessica Chastain. Um uh, playing Molly in Molly's game, and he had Chiwetel Ejiofor in it. Um, uh, he also wrote a few Good Men and stuff like that. So he's a great writer, and he's finally stepped into directing. Um, I've, I think if you've watched The Social Network, you know what you're getting in for with this film. Mm-hmm. Um, like in terms of script, anyway. So I'll give you a brief synopsis. This is the synopsis that I found online. The film is based on the infamous 1969 trial of seven defendants charged by the federal government with conspiracy and more arising from the countercultural protests in Chicago in the 1968 Democratic Nation Convention. The trial transfixed the nation and sparked controversy about mayhem intended to undermine the US government. So this all stems from, obviously, the backlash from the Korean War. Not the Korean War. The Vietnam Vietnam War. War. Korean War was after that. (laughs) yet another stupid war um yeah so i didn't really know anything about this going into it i knew elements of it like it it got to about halfway through and there was a couple names dropped that i recognized and stuff like that um this is a big gap in like sort of my knowledge of american history so i didn't know anything about this trial or anything before this came up um obviously like i said there were certain characters in it that i recognize from other things based around the vietnam war and stuff like that yeah and um there's a character in this who is actually getting his own film uh which we talked about uh do you remember we talked about judas and the black messiah yeah um so that has got um jesse plebbins in and lakelith uh something uh samfeld i believe uh, i think his name is um so that is revolving around uh, that character's murder, who we get discussed in this film. Um, so we are getting like loads of films around this sort of time. I think, obviously, with the current state of the world and stuff like that, things are getting very close to how they were back around the 60s and the civil rights movement. And the well, civil rights movement was just before that, um, but that's included in all this. So, yeah, it was really interesting for me not knowing how this trial 
ended and seeing all the evidence unfold in front of me and stuff like that. Yeah. It's been a while since I really enjoyed a courtroom drama like this. I haven't watched one in a long time. And the majority of this film is based in the courtroom. Like a lot yeah. of these films you'll find that the the courtroom scene will be like, oh right at the end and then you'll have like a it'll be brushed over. But this really takes its time with the courtroom well, stuff. The trial took near enough a year in total. Yeah. Like it like you see like halfway through the film they're at trial day one hundred and fifty one. So this was like such a huge infamous trial that like like you said, most of the film plays out through testimony and stuff inside of the trial. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that we actually get flashbacks to the events. I think it's because we've had multiple films on this in the past and it is like regular knowledge that a lot of people from especially America have. Um probably a lot of people over here and stuff. It was if it was going on that long, it would have been covered worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I really enjoyed like the way it played out in the courtroom because the script was so sharp. Like it was a shit hot script. It really oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh and shit hot actors as well. So like you had Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um Yaya Abdul-Mantin the second. You nailed it. You had Michael Keaton, you had John Carroll Lynch in here. Uh, Mark Rylance. Yeah, you had um uh, John Doman in there, Damien Young. You had really good, really good cast in there. It was yeah, like yeah. an amazing casting of the film. Uh, Seth Rogen was in this as well. Was he? Yeah. Who was Seth Rogen in this? Uh, you know what? I might be chatting out my ass. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently, when you look at the cast list for this, uh, Jerry... he might have just had like a like a bit part in the background or something. Uh, maybe Jerry Rubin and then John Majors both played. One of them played Bobby Seal, and one of them played Jerry Rubin. I don't know what which part. No, did they? I'm sorry. I think that might be a mistake. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking so. <laughs> Why are they showing up on the cast list? Anyway, um, I uh, Seth Rogen. Anyway, right. While you double check that, <laughs> because I don't know why that's showing up on the cast list. Um, Jeremy Strong was Jerry Rubin, and Yaya Abdul Mantine the second was Bobby Seal. But yeah, uh, absolutely amazing cast. And I mean, we. You know how this plays out. There's not really much in the way of spoilers, so we're not going to do spoiler-free and then spoilers um, because you can imagine if you know what happened in the original, you know, in the actual trial, then, you know, you, I think you kind of... You go into this film knowing what the deal's going to be, I think. Yeah. A lot of the surprises that come out are little tiny twists and turns during the trial, but... Like I'm just amazing. Like Eddie Redmayne in this was it was such a departure from what we would normally have got from him. Just yeah, yeah just really good. Especially the, feel- the the speech. There's the speech that um kind of comes up during the trial. And um he was just awesome in that. I mean, you see Eddie Redmayne in these characters like in Fantastic Beasts and stuff and uh, where he, you know, um, like frail characters a lot of the time. I don't know whether frail is the right word or just quite nervous characters. And then this, yes. he, well, he had a nervous he had, sort of bumbling characters. Yeah, sort of, yeah he had an element of that. Um, but um, no, he was, uh, 
he was he was strong in this. Oh, I think the casting has come from. Uh, I think originally Seth Rogen and John Majors were uh, casting this, and then they were they were changed. Yeah, the annou- yeah. So that was, uh, an announcement back in February 2019. So I think yeah, that, that's that's what I'm looking at now. Yeah, Jonathan Majors uh, ended up getting placed uh, replaced by Yaya Abdul Mateen. Yeah, um, and Seth Rogen. Uh, it was meant to play Jerry Rubin, yeah, and he got replaced. Yeah, Which, yeah. to be fair, I think the casting was better without Seth Rogen being in it. Yeah, I think it was already enough that you had someone like Sasha Baron Cohen in there. Um, I think then if you had Seth Rogen as well, it probably would have been a little bit too much all-star kind of business going on, if you get what yeah, I mean. I also think that Jeremy Strong played the character really well. Yeah. Um, and... Like I, I'm seeing some side by side photos of like what the real life counterparts looked like and stuff like that. He does look more the part, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I think next to Sasha Baron Cohen, he worked better. Whereas I think Seth Rogen might have been a bit too much in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if he could have delivered some of those lines like that as well. Yeah. Shall we chat a little bit about um, Sasha Baron Cohen in this film? Because oh, his performance, his accent was a bit hmm hmm. I won't lie, that's a nitpick. That's a real nitpick. But his actual performance in this film was amazing. He's yeah. He's I growing. I don't know what Abby Hoffman's actual accent was like, so I I can't compare it to like that. Um, I, I thought all the accents in here was pretty good. Like Eddie Redmayne, like I think sometimes when he's trying to do an American accent, it doesn't really work, but think it really worked in this one but yeah. yeah Sasha Baron Cohen felt like he was made to play this role almost like like playing a like outspoken hippie just works for him yeah definitely and the drama bits the the bits where there was emotional weight to the scene he 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 led it you know what I mean he he really yeah. really led it and he's such a powerful actor when he, you know, like this, like we spoke about last time, like the spy and and this, yeah. and um, I can't think of he was in something else. Um, uh, Lamez, <laughs> uh, potentially. Um, uh, what what else are you thinking of? Uh, I'm not too sure. It's gone. It's gone. The uh, Brothers Grimsby. Is that what you're thinking of? Uh, no, <laughs> Ali G. Is I, I that think, what you're thinking of? I think I'm. I think I'm really just kind of highlighting his performance in this. To be fair. Um and what I've seen from him in the spy, but yeah, yeah, no, he was um he was awesome, really good, really kind of like I'm I'm just really impressed by. The I think he did steal the doing. show in this film. To be fair, yeah, definitely, definitely he did. I just think he was, I just think he was really good. I think all the scenes he were in were really interesting, especially when you had like the um the kind of standoff bits between him and Eddie Redmayne's character. Yeah, that was a good little um, competition-ish thing throughout the film. And this film is one of those things where if you don't pay attention for a little bit, you're really kind of stuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there was a bit where it flashes forward to the trial after the um, convention events. And I watched it with my girlfriend, and she missed the flash forward and was just completely like, what is going on? And I was like, I had to pause it and then explain and be like, oh, you know, flash forward and da 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 But 
yeah, that that intro scene where it sets everybody up was really good. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. So it was kind of set up for him to be. I don't know whether he. I've seen an interesting. I've seen an interesting review of this film, which was basically this film doesn't know who. Well, it does know who the bad guy is, uh, but it tries not to make it obvious who the bad guy is. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. The bad guy's the judge in this, and it's also the uh, the government the, system. Yeah, the U.S. government. Yeah. yeah, literally, that is that is the bad guy. So it's kind of crazy. Like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just doing his job. And you have that bit with him and his children and stuff where he's, um, you know, he, and you see bits where he really kind of questions his morals throughout the whole thing. Uh, I mean, he does that right at the beginning. Yeah, well, well, I was about to say, it sets him up as being someone who's just there to do his job and make sure that the law is followed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's being forced, like, forced to do things in a way that he doesn't want to do things, uh, a way that he doesn't believe in it. Yeah. Um but this is like he's in his thirties, and this is like the biggest trial of his lifetime. They even say that to him. Yeah, and like it would have been career suicide if he didn't take this. He would have never really worked in the industry on this level ever again, and he wouldn't have got to where he was. And like with having a wife and a family and stuff like that, I think that's I think that's why they introduced the kids later on to like sort of like because he he felt that he had to, and he was going to try and do as much as he could to win. But at the same time, like. He, he didn't want people's morality to be taken away from him. Yeah. Um. So although he was on the opposing side, he was. I think he was kind of hoping that he would lose the uh, the trial. Mm-hmm. Um. But I thought that was a that was a nice like role for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We we've seen him play all sorts of roles now. We know he can do amazing work at like all across the spectrum of acting. Um. But I thought it was like. It's just interesting seeing him in that role, and I think he nailed it. Um, being like sympathetic, but still almost like on the wrong side of history type thing. I don't know. I'm struggling to like put it into words, but I really enjoyed him in this film, and I really enjoyed him in that role. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was it was interesting. We've seen him play loads of different characters and stuff like that, and it just felt like a nice, mature sort of role for him to play. Yeah, yeah. I just loved the reveal moments in this film really landed. Like a lot of the moments where um I don't know, like the whole whole Michael Michael Keaton bit, his bit in the courtroom. Yeah. Where that that moment was amazing. And it's almost sh- like a lot of it's shocking because it's obviously based on a true story. Mhm. And yeah, it, it's it's a very good film. It's been highly highly received. Um yeah. let me uh, just quickly uh bring it yeah, up. Check the scores there. Tom. Yeah, so the scores it's 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's wow. 76% on Metacritic, 8 out of 10 on IMDb. Um and on on terms of Google reviews, because Google reviews I think are always quite an interesting one to look at as well, because mm-hmm. it's just like literally anyone jumps on and does it. Um four point eight stars out of five out of a fifteen hundred okay. ratings. Um ninety five percent of people like this film. And I think that's so right. And I think yeah. it's I think it's done well off the back of being on Netflix as well, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and, definitely. It's definitely reached an audience that wouldn't typically go out and watch a courtroom drama. Yeah. Um 
Like I've I've never gone out my way to watch courtroom drama in a cinema or anything like that, mm. but I do like them when they do come up in like if it's something to do with something that I'm interested in as well. Like uh, uh, we talked a while ago during uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, we were talking about um, uh, a time to kill with Matthew McConaughey and Samuel Jackson and stuff like that. And like I like it when something is super relevant. But isn't it like and it's brought into a film like it's courtroom drama about something really relevant and I think this job did a really good job of showing the injustices of the trial like obviously everybody knew what happened but like being able to show like just how wrong the government was on every step of the way and everything like that yeah and like like they didn't need to make these characters sympathetic because they already were and, yeah and yeah. we already know the outcome and we know that they weren't the ones in the wrong all the time. Um, the, the, obviously, there's questionable things on all sides, like why certain people had certain motivations to do stuff. Like the way that things worked out in the end, it was probably always going to happen whether people did certain things or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like one of the things that it shows is like it was just a culmination of so many different things and people taking the opportunity to get at these people. Like, yeah, and that's the theme of the movie. Is the and the theme of the whole court trial, as it says right at the beginning, is the decision has already been made at the beginning of the trial. Yeah, and you see that off the back of the um, off the reactions of the judge and and everything else, and uh, even the even uh, the whole Bobby Seal like arc we've not really talked about, but um, like how that is constantly. You know he's he's in the courtroom and he's always having to stand up and stuff and and be like like why am I here you know I've not got a lawyer yeah and just it's just brutal like well, that's what I was about brutal. to I was literally just about to bring it up like it is like it was such an injustice and it was literally it was like inf- infringing on his like like his amendment rights like his like his civil rights it was just impeaching on at all points. And like they said, like they introduced one black member into like this group just to like try and make them seem more intimidating. They had never met each other or anything like that. He wasn't even in the country, in the city anymore when these events unfolded or anything. Like he was completely innocent of all things in this, and he was just getting abused and abused and abused. Literally, we see him get like physically beaten and gagged and everything, and return to the courtroom. That like. The way they just like do that and bring him back out, and the entire world then sees that he's bound and gagged, and like he's been beaten after he got taken out of the room, beaten to fork, and then brought back into the room. It's like why even take him out of the room for that? Why not just do it in front of everyone? If you're going to be that blatantly racist mm. and like that offensive, why even bother fucking leaving? Like taking him out of the room or something? Like it was shocking. Like, and every time he tried to speak for himself, he was just shut down all the time. Yeah. I think that's when Mark Rylance really shone as well was when he was defending um, Bobby Seale. Yeah. So Mark Rylance played William Kustner, um, the attorney for the defendants. And he was fantastic. He's always amazing. Like, there's a reason where, why Spielberg was trying for so many years to get him in a film. He is just fantastic. He's always, like, an amazing actor. Yeah. And, like... Just hearing him speak and hearing him talk about the case and everything like that, he nailed his performance. But the way that he's like, he is literally just doing his job. He is there as an attorney for the 
defense and every time he speaks up against the injustices against these people and like he, he clearly said it was like like they're already guilty like at least like give them a trial and stuff like that and every time like he stands up for his like every time he does his job he gets found in contact of court mm-hmm. what and i was just there i was like i was like what i was like i can't believe this is actually real life yeah, you literally sit there and, like, are actually, like, shocked. Like, there was so just many disbelief. moments I was just, like, in absolute disarray because of imagining this happening in person. Yeah. It's just I, mad. To, oh, fa- it was to, crazy. Th- to think that's how an actual court case went. And the... Uh, yeah, just crazy. Just it crazy. Was, it, absolutely mental. And I think... I think the way that Aaron Sorkins leaves the film at the end as well, um, mm-hmm. the way he ends it with, like, obviously, like, it, it's documented, it's what happened, but with Eddie Redmayne's character, Tom Hayden, um, reading out all the names of the soldiers that died in the war after their trial, since their trial begun, since they were arrested, like, it was, like, a really powerful way of ending it, and then you got, like, like, Obviously, like the text, um, sort of like flash forward whatever happened to everybody in their lives and stuff after that. Like it just proved that like these were good people on trial for a bullshit reason and stuff like that. Yeah, and like that was like a really emotional ending for it, and the way that he let it play out so much, like they didn't just like fade to black straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, was like it was really nice how they let it play out, and it it, it gets you in the feels. It really does. Yeah. The, Speaking of Fade to Black, there was only one, like... like The editing was almost invisible in this, and, like, the editing didn't really do anything too interesting. It just served the script. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you're like, wow, masterpiece of editing. Mm -hmm. It was was well edited, so you didn't notice it. Except for one part, like you said, um, when Sasha Baron Cohen's character, Abby Hoffman, is on the stand, he's, um, he's giving his testimony... And he's being sort of berated by Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. And then, like, he says, not as much disdain as the government have for me. And then it's just, like, a really strange, like, silence and a really slow fade to black. Yeah. It's, like, two-thirds of the way through the film. And that felt like a really jarring cut for me. Like, that edit did not work for me because you didn't really get any real fade to blacks, really, other than that one. Yeah. Yeah, other than it. that one and the end, and it just felt like, you know, when an edit's out of place, it's like if like, just in the middle of like, I don't know, like a courtroom drama, we got like some psychedelic, trippy, like hyper edited thing, like Guns Akimbo or fucking Spring Breakers or something like that. It just felt like so out of place, like it, it could have been something equally as outlandish. Yeah, like, I mean, to think it, about it, pulled it. me out for a second. I was like. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm, I'm watching a film now. Like, yeah, it's the only time like I really noticed the editing of it. It felt strange. I mean, I'm thinking about it now, and it probably the ed what that edit shows to me is, I guess it's just to show a big passage of time because there's yeah. not a lot of that during this film. It is very well, much like there's flash forwards in terms of dates, but I guess that was kind of to let you sit on the. His character had serious moments, but they were very, very kind of 
uh, picked and chosen throughout the film. And I guess mm-hmm. that was kind of not only to have that seriousness moment, but then also show a passing of time, maybe. But I get what you mean, though. It did feel very weird. It did feel a bit like, a bit almost like old old school, like a bit of an old school cut. Um, yeah. Like a bit from yeah, the oldie, it did, oldie it, time yeah. film versus something more modern. But yeah, no, defo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, yeah, it was just that one moment, like, sort of took me out of it. I, I understand, like you're saying, I understand where the editor was probably thinking when he was thinking about it, um, it just felt a little bit weird because it wasn't something that was used particularly throughout the film. Yeah, I get um, that. Totally get if, that. If it, like, if that was, like, the motif, like, every time there was a long passage of time and stuff like that, I think it would have worked really well if they had done, like, those long fade to blacks, like, a few times because, like, you've got some that's, like, you've got the big gap between, like, the actual moment happening and the court case starting and then you've got, like, um, jumping from, like, date 50 of the trial to like 150 of the trial and stuff like that like a few if they had used a couple of the moments to show the lengthy passage of time then i think slow edits within a film also makes a film feel long so it it would have put you in the position of these people's lives being drawn out so long like this court case lasting so long mm-hmm. like i think it was just jarring just having it like the one memorable time i don't know yeah i get that. but it, it, it didn't affect my overall viewing of it like i would still rate it very highly even with mm-hmm. that one thing it wasn't that bad no um, no i know what you mean though but it was it, it is a really interesting talk point because of that edit being so like standout-ish from everything yeah. else that happened so no totally um i guess kind of it goes without saying that we both really recommend this film like it was yeah. it is really very much a masterpiece of a film um, i mean i was expecting to like it but wasn't expecting to be as enthralled with it as it was. Like, I was so interested in the narrative every step of the way, and I think not knowing about the case made me all the more, like, interested in it. And it makes it something that I want to look into in the future. I wasn't expecting to come away from it feeling that. Like, normally, like, a courtroom drama like this, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's, like, that is what it is, and it's always educational, but I left it like, wow. Like, wow. Yeah, I left it feeling like I really wanted other people to watch it. And when I feel that way about a film, I know that it was a really good film. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my rating system, personally. But, yeah, go watch it. Uh, I think you should watch it, so I think it's a good film. <laughs> what would you give it out of, like, a 10? Uh, I'd give it a solid... You know what? I think I think it was just, like, a 10 out of 10. I don't think there's anything wrong with this film. I don't know whether the whether there's parts of this film that I don't know whether are factually spot on or not. You know, because with stuff like this, you sometimes find that things come out that oh, this wasn't exactly right, mm. or that wasn't exactly right, or yeah. But I think as long as it was, and this is what actually happened, and it was a very accurate portrayal of what. Because I'll, I'll be honest, we watch films. I don't. I won't. I didn't go in and do research and look at the actual no. events of what happened. For me, the film's enough. And if it was, then yeah, ten out of ten for me. What about you? Um, I would probably say high nine slash ten out of ten. Um, Fair enough. I think in terms of courtroom procedurals like this, I think definitely it's a ten out of ten. I think in the grand schemes of most films, I'd probably say a nine. Um, I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with it. I just don't. I, I think there are ten ten out of tens out there. Yeah, I think getting a ten out of ten is 
super difficult to do. I think this is like nine, nine point five. Like, like you said, nothing wrong with it, really. Um, yeah, it, it's it won't be everybody's cup of tea. What is a ten out of ten for you? While we're on the topic of it, ten out, out of curious, ten for out me. curiosity. The only one that I'm thinking of right now is like Blade Runner, Blade Runner twenty uh, twenty forty nine. Oh, okay, um, that's fair. Or like. Uh, I love Wolf of Wall Street. Um, like, I guess one of those films oh, that you. Now. I guess it's one of those films that you will watch a lot, and then you'll kind of like almost burn yourself out on it. Yeah, I think like if, if a you, ten out of ten for yeah. me is something that I just want to analyze every single frame of it, like every line of dialogue from it, yeah. and stuff like that. Stuff that creates a massive conversation after it as well. Yeah, like, I think this one definitely will start a conversation, but it'll be more of like this was happening back in the sixties. How atrocities like this still able to happen? I don't mm-hmm. think it's so much. It's going to be a discussion about the film. I think it's going to be a, a discussion about the subject matter. Whereas yeah. like ten Very out true. of ten films for me are like like they're like the top dog films. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Like, yeah. What would be a ten out of ten for you? Uh... Last Jedi. Only joking. Oh, <laughs> do you know what? Last Jedi for me is close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I enjoy The Last Jedi. Hate me. That's definitely a 9 out of 10. There goes all our listeners. Bye, um, listeners. <laughs> well, what, what would be like a 10 out of 10 for you? Like, name one film that's like a 10 out of 10 for you. Uh, Man, you know what? Blade Runner 2049 probably comes pretty oh, close. Such a fucking shit heart film, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I really want to watch it again. It's been like a month. It's been a I couple months. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking at my film, my film list. But for me, I think it's probably like the classics. So, um, you know, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the King, those ones like that live forever. They'll like I'll always yeah. love those films. That's yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, like Godfather and stuff like that. Like I'm thinking, like you know what you would probably find in the top two fifty of IMDb and stuff like that. I'm literally going on IMDb now. Basically, find... what we're trying to say is the boring answers are the ten yeah. out of tens. The yeah, ones you but, could probably like, there's expect. a reason why the ten out of tens. There's a reason why they're always so so heavily talked about. Yeah. Like number one on IMDb right now, top ranked films is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, ten out of ten. Then it's Godfather and Godfather Part Two. Yeah, ten out of ten. The Dark Knight, ten out of ten. Schindler's List. Yeah, Return of the King is there. Pulp Fiction is up there. I was thinking Pulp Fiction, but I was like, I don't know if the like the grand scheme of things in the world, it's a ten out of ten. But it's eight point eight out of ten on IMDb. It's number eight in the in the all time highest rated films. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Inception. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah. Fight Club, yeah, like these Empire Strikes Back, like you said, is there? Two Towers is there? Like these are the ten out of ten films for me. You know what I mean? Uh, Parasite is there? Spirit oh yeah, the, yeah. Saving pa- Private Ryan. Yeah, Parasite would be a ten out of ten. That's a more recent ten out of ten. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like that's why I'm saying like it's a nine, high nine on mm. um, for this. Right. Uh, I guess we wrap it up there after that uh, digress digression. Yeah. So uh, audience. What did you think of the film? What do you think? I really what, what would be it, your Chris. ten out of ten? Like, I, really I want it. the audience to let us know what their ten out of ten films are, and maybe in the future we could do like uh, an episode which is like best films or like ten out of ten 
uh, audience feedback films or something like that. That would be a pretty cool episode to do if everybody tells us like what their ten out of ten films are or what their favorite films are. We could discuss all of these. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Back to the Future, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Back to the Future. That screenplay. Woo! Whoa. Whoa. They teach it in screenplay lessons now in school. In university. You want to learn how to write a screenplay? Read Back to the Future, bro. Tell you what anyway. else we should uh, probably cover off then is uh, where you can check out the podcast and how you can support us. So make sure you head over to Get Real Pod at Get Real Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias. Uh, give us a like, follow, support us. Go check out our second podcast hosted by Lawrence and Richard, Get Real Gaming, um, live on everywhere where you get your podcasts. Uh, Chris, how can people support us and the other guys? The best way to support us and the other guys is to leave a rate on a review wherever you listen to our podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, anywhere like that. Just leave us a rate and review on that. If you do it on Podchaser, it'll syncopate it to all the other podcast platforms. Um, share us out with a friend. That is literally the best way that you can support the podcast. Get everybody listening. Even if you're not maybe into uh, gaming, if you know somebody that is, direct them to the Get Real Gaming uh, podcast. If you are into gaming, you go over and check it out. If you know somebody who's mag- mega into films, send them our podcast. You know what I mean? Like You can just... have a podcast. You can have a podcast. <laughs> you get a podcast. You get a podcast. We've literally got a podcast for everybody now. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll start a third one. It's like a comic books podcast. Or like <laughs> we do one which is like news of the world. Like... Politics it podcast. Never it, never <laughs> like, it never ends. Like the best thing to do is literally just support us any way you can. Share us out. That's the best thing you, you could do. Wonderful. Right. Perfect. So yeah, uh, we will catch you next week when we chat about the new Borat film. I believe uh, Borat and Mandalorian will be next week. Oh, exciting! Right. Tune yeah. in next week. We'll see you next time. Take care. Stay safe. See ya. Bye bye. Ooh, maybe a Halloween bonus episode. Bye. Oh, no. Don't mind scary films.